The following podcast is going to contain spoilers, along with a dude named Ethan who beats so many people up that you would never want to give him crap about the fact that his name is Ethan. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you combine it with his last name, it seems a little weird, and yet totally awesome at the same time. Proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host. My name is Steven, and I've just gone off book here, folks. The last three episodes were not episodes, and I'm including this when I say the last three. They're not episodes I meant to record. I had scheduled out the rest of the year, the rest of the season, and I I don't even remember what I should be recording right now, but it's definitely not what I'm going to be talking about. But before I do... Before I get into it, just want to remind everybody of a couple of things, a couple of quick reminders for you. First, I have this whole live stream thing going on over at the YouTube channel, the Just Another Fanboy YouTube channel. Now, it's a live stream, which means that once a week, so far it's been every Sunday, I sit down and through the magic of the internets, I connect with someone else in the country, someone else in the world, and we sit down and we talk for about an hour hour, 20 minutes, you know, it depends on who I'm talking to and what we're talking about. And I live stream it. So you can watch it as we're doing it. You can come onto YouTube and watch it and leave comments and ask questions and be part of the fun. But then when it's all done, it just stays up there on YouTube. So you can continue to watch it. Just wasn't sure if you're aware what a live stream is, because frankly, I'm a bit old. I'm in the elderly area of my life, and I'm not quite 100% on what a live stream is either, and yet I'm doing it every week. I've had folks on, such as Harold C. Jennett III, Frank A. Rincon from Half Hour Wasted, and writer Sean Pryor. I've got a whole lot other folks. I have a whole bunch of other folks all lined up and ready to go, looking forward to talking to them, and the, the best way for you to ensure that you never miss one of these live streams even if you can't watch it live, is to subscribe to the channel and then click that bell that sends you the notifications. It'll say, hey, Steven's live streaming right now, but don't worry. When he's done, you can watch it whenever. So don't panic. I also want to remind everybody that come December 31st, I will be wrapping up season three of Just Another Fanboy. And I will not be back with new episodes of Just Another Fanboy until mid-February. I haven't quite set a date yet, but don't worry, there's going to be content for you to listen to. In fact, these live streams that I was just talking about, I have converted them into audio-only podcasting episodes, and I will be putting them up twice a week starting the first week of January. So the very first live stream I did was back in November. I think it was November 22nd. That will be the first episode that goes up in January. Technically, just to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, these will be considered part of season four because it's really the only way I can mark these. I mean, I can make them bonus episodes, but once season four starts, the first episode in each week, so Tuesday's episode, will be that current week's live stream episode converted to audio. So, If I do a live stream on Sunday, the very next Tuesday, you'll also get the audio version of it. 
And then on Thursday, we'll just be a regular episode of Just Another Fanboy. That's what you have to look forward to. We will do that for the foreseeable future. If I find that I run out of people to talk to and I have to slow down on the on the live streams, then maybe we'll end up doing something different uh, at some point through season four. But well, you know what? That's that's future Steven's problem. Okay, we're not going to worry about that right now. What we are going to worry about is the book that I want to talk about. It's called Reckless, and it was released, well, yesterday as this episode is released. It was released on December the 16th. It was written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips and colors by Jacob Phillips. Now, if you're not aware, if you haven't been paying that much attention in the comic book world, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips have just forged this creative unit that have been putting books out for over a decade now. I, I, I want to say they started with Criminal. I can't be sure. I didn't look any of that up. But the first book I ever read by them was, was Criminal. And it was, a, it was actually put out by Marvel. Marvel had started this thing where they were trying to kind of appease their, uh, their creative types. They were signing folks like Ed Brubaker uh, over to exclusive deals. But folks like Ed Brubaker also wanted to do their own books. They wanted to have that freedom of not just doing a Captain America book. He wanted to do creator-owned books. And so rather than risk him not taking that exclusive contract, Marvel decided, well, we're going to start this icon line and we'll release your creator-owned books under the icon line. And I believe that they still own those books. And when I say they, I mean the creators. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips still own the criminal books that were put out through Marvel Icon. Marvel doesn't own those. And so, well, I know that's a fact because they eventually, once they left Marvel, they started releasing criminal over an image. And they've pretty much released all of their books over an image at that point. And now they're doing a series of graphic novels. They did one not too long ago called Pulp, which was really good. And this is the first of three starring a particular character by the name of Ethan Reckless, which, like I said, is kind of a weird name, but yet it works. Let me read you the description, and then I'm just going to talk about the book. I'm not going to go into depth. I'm not going to just pour over every page and spoil the story for you. I'm actually not going to spoil the the big reveal because there is kind of a big reveal at the end. I'm not going to spoil any of that because this book did just come out within the last couple of days. But the description reads, Sex, Drugs, and Murder in 1980s Los Angeles and the best new twist on paperback pulp heroes since The Punisher or Jack Reacher. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the modern masters of crime noir, Bring us the last thing anyone expected from them. A good guy. A bold new series of original graphic novels with three books releasing over the next year, each a full-length story that stands on its own. Meet Ethan Reckless. Your trouble is his business for the right price. But when a fugitive from his radical student days reaches out for his help, Ethan must face the only thing he fears, his own past. So yeah, this is set in the 1980s. Ethan Reckless is an ex-FBI agent. He was basically recruited right out of high school. His father was in naval intelligence, and he was able to use this opportunity to avoid going to Vietnam, which basically meant he was trained by the FBI and he was paid to go to college 
but his his job working for them was to basically keep an eye on everybody in college and report uh, about any radicals or people who are demonstrating, you know, basically the loud voices that are speaking out against the government. He eventually is tasked to infiltrate one of these various loud, um, outspoken groups uh, back in the 70s. And before he can, he, he falls in love with one of the one of the members. She's the sister of the leader. And then a bomb explodes, sending him to the hospital. And um, he ends up giving up his career in the FBI. Well, well the thing was, the FBI kind of gave up on him as well because he broke a lot of rules. He wasn't supposed to be falling in love with with the people he was he was trying to watch. And uh, yeah, he just he just didn't he didn't quite do what he was supposed to do. And the FBI probably would have canned him had he not been caught up in the explosion. Uh, but now he he's kind of like a one man A team. If there is a job that you need done that the police aren't able to do, there's a one eight hundred number you can call. You leave a freaking message on the answering machine. And if he wants to take your case, he will take it. And it's anywhere from he, I think at one point he talks about one of the, one of the things he did was rescue a kidnapped dog. He helped some people get some money back that was stolen from them. He has also worked for criminals, stealing money back from, that was stolen from them from other criminals. He, he's not exactly, when they call him a good guy in the description, he's not a 100% good guy. But he eventually gets this message from this woman that he had that had been part of that the the thing when he was an FBI agent the woman that he had fallen in love with her name is Rainy and she needs his help she says that she that well they they meet and he tell she tell uh, they meet oh my god i can't talk they meet and she tells him that she hooked up with a guy they robbed a bank in Kansas City he killed a cop during the robbery and because of all the heat that was on him, they they had to the whole crew had to split up and hide the money. And then they were going to meet back up after the heat was off and split up the money. But apparently, she was told that the money was hidden in the walls of a house. And then because of dry rot and rats, the money was destroyed. She finds out later that that's not the case, and she just wants her money back. And so he 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 decides to help her out. But he finds out that there is so much more going on than he originally thought. She she calls him after he starts his investigation. Day one, he's only about 15. Well, he's he had gone to meet this guy who she told him uh, might be able to help find out where the other dude. Wilder is the guy that he's trying to find the 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 final dude, the dude that owes her money. Uh, and she she basically directs him to some other guy that might be able to help him find Wilder. He goes to talk to this guy. He comes home. She calls him up and she says that she was out at the beach, came back to her room and somebody had ransacked the room. Wanted to know, you know, what did you do? What have what have you done? And he said, well, I just left the guy 15 minutes ago. There's no way that they could have, you know, if, if the guy I was questioning, if that if if he put two and two together. He didn't have time to send anybody out to do anything to your, your hotel room, but come stay with me. I'll keep you safe. So she goes to stay with him. She stays the night, nothing, you know, untoward happens. And then, uh, the next morning she goes out to her car, it blows up and she's dead. And then that makes him, of course, very angry. He, 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 there's a lot of narration in this book and he, 
He talks at one point about after the bomb had gone off back in his FBI days when he was blown up, he woke up in the hospital and he had pieces of his memory missing. And he also discovered that he was very much a different person. He basically lost the ability to feel. And by and, and I don't mean like with his hands, I mean emotionally. He he no he no longer understands what it is what it's like to to be in love with someone or to be happy or he he does feel anger, but that's about it. And uh he uses that in his new job, getting back things, helping people and 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 whatnot, but the anger is still there. And after this girl Rainy is blown up in front of his house, her her car blows up. He basically goes into a, a somewhat rage and he makes it his life's ambition at that point to find this guy Wilder and kill him for killing her. And that's pretty much where we go from there. And it's it's really good. There's a lot of really big reveals. And it's one of those stories that you know that there's going to be a reveal coming up, right? You know that it's not what they're telling you it is from the get go. And you get your reveal and it's like, okay. And th- but then there's just, there just ends up being so much more. There's just so much more to this story. And there's so many different twists and turns that kind of knock you on your butt as you're reading it. And it's, it's a, it's, I don't want to say it's a quick read. I mean, I did, I got it this morning through Hoopla. So I got it through my library and I had it read by the end of the day. Now I wasn't of course, sitting there that entire time reading it. But anytime I was able to take a little break or take a few minutes here and there, I would read it. And I had it done by the end of the day. And it was, I mean, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, just they know how to work well together. They know how to create a story. It's very well put together. It reads very well. It flows very well. They obviously have been working together long enough that they don't make any mistakes when they when they put their stories together. Pulp, like I said, I read that earlier in the year and it was it was just as good. And it makes me want to go back and start rereading all the criminal books again. And frankly, many of the first criminal books are available through Comixology Unlimited, which I am a member of. And I have borrowed like the first three or four volumes. I just haven't read them yet. And I feel like maybe at some point that can be the next series I go to on Just Another Fanboy. You know, I'm doing ElfQuest and G.I. Joe and Madman and um, John Burns Superman. Maybe at one at some point when I, I can I can stop or maybe pause one of those or just maybe add a fifth to it. I don't know. Might as well. What else am I going to do? But then the question is, should I do one issue at a time or one trade at a time? And I feel like maybe these are the kind of stories that I should do one trade at a time. But so I feel like there is going to come at some point in season four when I start revisiting all these criminal books and talking a lot more about Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Because I, I feel like I remember from the beginning, from the first criminal book, way back when, whenever that was, 2006, 7, 8, somewhere around there, it was firing on all cylinders right from the beginning. I mean, these guys worked really well together right from the beginning. So at this point, it's just, they. I mean, there's a reason why they're still working together over a decade later. They Because they trying to think of how to say it. They're just they're just a just one of those creative partnerships that work. And obviously they get along cuz they're still doing it. And obviously they enjoy um what each other bring, what each of them brings to the table, you know, because you you'd assume that at some point even a creative partnership at some point one of them's going to go, "You know what? I'm really kind of sick of doing uh crime noir 
so I'm going to go do something else. And maybe they have. They've obviously probably each other have branched off on their own things. But the fact that they're still creating books together after all this time, I think, speaks volumes about the quality of these books that they're putting together. Because people are still buying them, and they're still putting them out, and they're they're still really, really good. I always feel stupid when I talk about these books, because I don't, I don't feel like I have the intellectual capacity to fully articulate exactly how I feel about these books, exactly how well put together they are. All I can say is that they're done very well. They're very well done, and they're really good, and I really enjoyed them. And frankly, I think that's really all anybody should have to say about a book. I mean, the art, the art is beautiful. It tells the story. There are no moments within this book when you, because, because you've all been there. Anybody who reads comic books, you've been there. You've read those books where you're going from one panel to the next panel, or you're going from one page to the next page, and you start scratching your head, and you're like, did I miss something? I don't understand how they got from this point to this point. I don't understand what's going on. This page reads really weird. This whole sequence read really weird. None of it makes any sense. And I don't understand what the artist and writer are trying to convey here. You've all been there. Well, you don't get any of that in this book. It's all very clear. And I feel it's important to point that out. Because if the book is crafted the way it's supposed to be, you don't even pay attention to any of that crap. You just finish the book and you go, wow, that was really good. You don't think about the fact that they had to build these scenes sequentially with the art and the writing and the words, you know, and have it make sense. Have your eye follow the page from panel to panel and have it all flow. And it should be effortless in your head as you're reading it. You shouldn't have to work at it. You shouldn't have to go, okay, which panel am I going to go to next? And so when you get done with the book, you shouldn't, that should never have entered your head because once it does, once you realize that I don't understand which panel I'm supposed to go to next or whatever, then it takes you out of the story. And so when I say that the, that the book is crafted really well and it reads really well and it flows the way it's supposed to, I just mean it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's superb. It's a, uh, it's an excellent book. What else do you want me to say? If you've enjoyed anything that they've ever put out, you're going to enjoy this. My, my purpose here is not to try to sell you on the book, but to 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 tell you how I felt about it. And even though it was set in the 80s, it didn't feel 80s. It still felt like kind of a timeless book. It could have been, honestly, it almost could have been set in any decade. There's nothing about the book uh, that made me think, oh, well, this is a total 80s book. He, they don't go out of their way to sell you on the fact that it's the 80s. A lot of, a lot of properties do that if they set their books during a certain period especially during like like the 70s or the 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, something like that. They're going to try to push pop culture references from that time. They're going to try to push that in your face and try to make that part of the story. And they don't do any of that in this book. The The hairstyles are a bit 80s. The, the, the clothes are a bit 80s. The cars are a bit 80s. But otherwise, they're not forcing you to read lyrics from an 80s band or they're not they're just not throwing all these 80s references at you all the time just to just to make sure you understand that this is the 80s, you know, because it doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter what decade it's in. The only time it really matters is because a lot of uh, what is what is happening in the book has a bit to do with with the time that it's set in, because, of course, when he was in the FBI, that was during the 70s. And there were a lot of these radical groups 
that were very outspoken against the government and the war in Vietnam, and they were blowing stuff up. And then, of course, there there's discussion in the book, or there's there's parts of the story in the book that 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 probably couldn't have happened if it wasn't for Vietnam. I guess. I mean, you probably you probably could have used any war from any era. Probably. I don't know. I mean, it is a it is a story that is definitely a product of the time that it's set in, but it doesn't it doesn't go out of its way. Like I said, there's there's a lot of stuff like heck, if you watch the Goldbergs, good lord. The Goldbergs was really fun at first. The first couple of seasons it was really fun, but now it just all seems like what 80s pop culture reference can we create an episode around this week? You know? It gets old. Uh, they don't do any of that. They don't do like The Wedding Singer, which is all about pushing that 80s pop culture references in, you know, into your face. So it's set in the 80s, but they don't make a big deal out of it. It just feels natural. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't it doesn't feel forced. The time frame doesn't feel forced. Um, yeah, it's very much a book I would recommend. Children should not read it. I will say that right now. Language, violence, nudity. It's all there. Children should not read this book. They may want to, but we shouldn't let them do it. You see what I'm saying? We shouldn't let them do it. Let's not expose them to this stuff that early in life. Of course, it depends on what you consider a child, I suppose. If you're a parent and you have children, it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to let your children read this. Uh, I wouldn't let my children read it. Nope. Even at the age they're at now, I probably, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't slap it out of their hands if I saw them read it, but I wouldn't voluntarily put it in front of their eyes. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm saying. I hope you do. Anyway, that's it. That's the episode. Reckless. There's a the second volume or the second story comes out in April. Um, they are standalone stories, so I'm it's to me it feels a lot like they make reference in the description to Jack Reacher. And Jack Reacher is from that, I don't want to say era, but if you've ever read a Jack Reacher book, there are a crap ton of Jack Reacher books. And it's a, just a series of books about this one character and you could read pretty much any ep, any you could read pretty much any book by itself. You don't have to go from book 1 to book 2 to book 3 to book 4. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to do. Here. But Reckless, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, great comic book team, great creative team. I would highly recommend it. You don't have to pay for it if you have the hoopla. But I would, if, if I had the money, I, w- I would have bought this book. That's how much I enjoy it. But that's it. That's all I got. So I guess I'm going to wrap it up. My name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Wear a mask. Stay safe. This is the part of the show where I start it. I say stuff and I start the show and the mic is up way too loud. There, I've turned the mic down a little bit. It might be too quiet now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pooptacular Poopings. Hello and welcome and stuff and everything. Ugh. Howdy folks. Howdy folks. Howdy folks. Abner Franks here. 
I just don't know if I can do this or not. Howdy folks, Abner Franks here. I've been asked by Stephen to come on in here at the, the intro portion of this episode and tell you that, that there's going to be spoilers. And you need to be aware of that, because spoilers are there. They's a bad thing. You don't want spoilers in your podcast, because then, then you get spoiled. Well, some people like to be spoiled, but they like to be warned about it first. They like people to come in and say, hey, buddy, I'm going to spoil this. <clears throat> Not a very good job there. But when a fugitive from his... But when a fugitive... Hey, come on. 